Comrades and friends, hello. It's Rob here in the Bunker Studio. Uh, if you'll indulge me a moment uh, during this holiday season, uh, I'd like to speak directly to uh, a great comrade and friend of the podcast in Kent County. Uh, he's a regular listener. Uh, he's a super fan, really. Uh, Diego. Diego, buddy, uh, your mom has been recognized today for her accomplishments. Um, she's a, uh, an organizer extraordinaire. I know you know that. And uh, I just wanted you to know personally that I'm very uh, honored to have her. She's very humble. She's very difficult to get on this program. But I just want to tell you, Diego, happy Christmas, happy New Year. Your mom did it. From the shadow of Rockford Tower, behind enemy lines, in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast, uh, this is Rob, and this is your Highlands Bunker podcast. Um, we have a, a, a sort of a holiday show for everybody, so I want to say Merry Christmas, I want to say Happy Hanukkah, I want to say Happy New Year, all that stuff. I hope you're enjoying the holiday. Um, I wanted to take this opportunity to sort of do a year in review for our comrades and friends at uh, the Delaware Working Families Party. I know we talk about a lot of specific stuff, but I just want to sort of shout out the year that everybody had, sort of review it, and, um, and let everybody know where it stands and how we're going to come. We're going to come hard again uh, next year and the year after that. So um, joining, as always, um, Carl, super producer extraordinaire. He is on. Um, Kirsten Walther, Hello. The the uh, the co-mayor of Jerky Town, Taisha Greer. Ty, how are you? Hello, hello, hello. And uh, and the 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 one and only Reggie Guaguar. Um, how are you? Hello, I'm good. You can uh, hear me now. Yes, I'm so glad. Uh, I'm so glad you could join. Um, uh, so I did want to clarify. So first of all, I apologize that I have ducked you for an entire year. Um, but I wanted to clarify why exactly I have been ducking you. Okay. And it's that as somebody whose focus is issue-based advocacy, you're often building very broad coalitions on an issue, right? And not everybody agrees on everything or on every wording of everything. And I was a little worried that someone would hear me on a podcast and I would word something a certain way. And all of a sudden they'd be like, Oh, well, I can't, I can't work with her at all because she used that buzzword or something that I don't like. And now all negotiations are off. So I'm still slightly nervous about that, but I, I did owe you a podcast for a year straight. So I couldn't end 2022 without coming on. Well, I very much appreciate it. Um, but what I did want to talk about, and you know, I know we're not going to talk about anything specific, but in, in this, in this sort of electoral realm, but you know, all the time when we talk about working families party stuff, we sort of we talk about it in specifics or, or sort of just general like um, electoral stuff or general sort of policy and issue campaign stuff. But really, it's a it's a big movement. And I think that there was, you know, people looking to see if it would sustain, if it would grow. Um, and what I take out of the year that we just had was both of those questions are being answered in a very uh, affirmative way. Um, you know, 
so many people are coming for sort of training on either to run for office or run a campaign, but also for issue campaigns and other kind of organizing training. And the growth has just been sort of incredible just in a general uh, mass movement building sort of way. I thought maybe, I didn't, I didn't know if, if Kirsten or Ty wanted to sort of take that and give their sort of reflection on the year from a sort of a high level, talking about a broad, just building a broad coalition, sort of like Reggie was talking about uh, earlier. Yeah, I mean, well, I, first of all, was so excited by and impressed by the fact that we had 60 over 60 people at the WFP retreat, which was super cool. Um, yes. And it was also a, a really diverse mix of people, like folks who've been working in electoral spaces for years, folks who maybe ran this past year um, and but hadn't really been involved with like the movement side of things before. We had some really new volunteers, some people who've been casual volunteers. And like it, I I feel like that's an important sign of a healthy movement where like in those kind of like big base building meetings, you're bringing in people who are at a lot of different levels. Um, I know like that was really helpful for me when I first was getting involved with Network Delaware to see people at all levels in these meetings because it, on the one hand, like I wasn't the only new person, so I didn't feel like overwhelmed but I also could kind of see models in front of me of people who have been like doing this work and kind of how they navigate these meetings and where you know the skills that they've already learned so it was also like aspirational in that way um so I really like that we have that with like WFP as well right now I think in our like larger meetings um and yeah I I mean I feel it's I, I don't know, we've kind of already talked about how um, the, I think when you're closest to the work, sometimes you're a little more critical of the results because while a lot of people have been like, oh, we had an amazing electoral year, those of us who were maybe pounding the pavement a lot for some of the candidates who lost very narrowly, it feels bad. It, it feels like, oh, damn, we were so close though, um, which is, you know, kind of a bummer, but I think like, just having having a little more distance from that, I'm just kind of reflecting on, I don't know how it does feel like a privilege to be to be like continuing to build on that. And we like haven't been, it's not like we've been like hemorrhaging volunteers since the campaign, you know, we're continuing to draw people in and give them tasks. And like, we've all been doing a lot of one-on-ones with people who are in the WF, WFP sphere and like, folks have concrete things they want to take on. So I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot of good, um, sorry, <laughs> went a little long there. Um, but yeah, I, I feel really, I feel really good about not just that we're like growing, but to me, at least it feels sustainable and it feels, I don't know, it, like, it feels like something that we can Kind of i don't know just not just build on and kind of like be like a flash in a pan but build a structure out of and like build a lasting structure out of yeah i think that's perfect point like yeah we talk all about the the ones that we lost uh that were narrow or that people put a lot of work into uh but 
you know, I took a step back before this and just started thinking about, you know, maybe even some candidates that like, okay, I'm not totally excited about this candidate. But then I think to myself, oh, this candidate was recruited by WFP. This candidate was trained by WFP. Um, they 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 were they were coached um, through this, and you know, just that infrastructure is that's that's going to be that's going to be the basis of everything. Like you can you can win uh, a few seats here and there, but without the without the mechanism to do it over and over again, um, you know, it's it's going to be even more difficult. But I look deeper and see the mechanism there to start doing it over and over again. So, Carl, what what um, I mean, how much uh, of stuff? I, I mean, I know you had such a productive sort of program for the retreat, and. It wasn't just um, WFP members. There were, you know, other people invited to it. So it was it was more, you know, most of it was sort of public information. Um, you want to give a little rundown of some of the things like sure you were able to accomplish and 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 um, how you were able to reflect on, uh, you know, the sort of the year that you had. Yeah, I think it also might be interesting to sort of level set a little bit, um, which is that's a, a big part of what the retreat was for, because we had a lot of people uh who as Kirsten was saying it was a lot of very different people some people had uh we had a lot of people who were saying like oh yeah wfp and had never been to a wfp thing which i found kind of which i i love because it means that uh we're getting support from people who maybe aren't even actively members of the organization but i did want to sort of use that and i think we can use this as an opportunity to say like okay so what is working families party like what do we actually do um and luckily, I have some practice with this uh, because we just got off our general meeting. We just had a retreat a couple of weeks ago because um, I think we'd already talked about it before in another episode, but I'll sort of rehash it again, which is the idea of, of governing power, um, which is that basically that infrastructure that we're talking about, the idea that we're not just running elections, we're not just passing bills, we're not just training volunteers, we're doing all those things together with the intention of basically changing the way that our political system works. Because right now we have a Delaware way, which essentially um, means that you get a group of people, often very privileged, often connected to corporations, that the way they resolve problems is not a lot of conflict. They get behind closed doors, they hash it out, and then they present something. And that's sort of what you need to just accept. And that's all well and good if you are somebody who is basically fine with the way things are going right now, which we have we have a lot of people like that in Delaware. There's a lot of people that are that benefit a lot from the corporate structure we have here. They work in law, they work in a bank, they work in something like that. Uh, but I think what we've increasingly seen uh with like DuPont leaving, with the Chrysler plant, with the steel plant in Claymont, with the boxwood plant, you see a lot of jobs leaving. You see a lot of people dealing with police violence, with environmental racism, with environmental injustice. Um, and basically our idea of governing power is like, we want to empower the people who are actually hurting the most, the people who are uh, not being represented in this current system, that they're not behind the closed doors, they're not at the table and creating a more democratic system overall. Um, and so that's really the mission behind all of this. Uh, and we do that by recruiting candidates, supporting candidates. We do that by running issue campaigns that, uh, get on the ground and connect with people who are solving or experiencing the issues that we're trying to solve with legislation. It means training people. It means all of that stuff. Um, and so 
this year we were especially focused on the legislative and the electoral because obviously we have an election. That's our main intervention because we want to get people in office who can use that power to do things because if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. Um, so a lot of our victories this year were electoral. So like Cindy Romer, Sophie Phillips, uh, Deshaun and Neil, um, unfortunately we didn't really make any big gains in the general election. Uh, but you know, every single incumbent got reelected and a lot of them were getting outspent, uh, by, you know, dirty money. Um, and then like the work that Reggie was doing with the Green New Deal in terms of pushing for environmental justice legislation, some was able to happen. Some was not able to happen. Some of it were going to be, we're going to be back next year. Um, unfortunately we're not able to see leadership change. So, uh, it's still going to be tough, but I do think we are more organized than we were even earlier this year and certainly more than we were a year ago. Um, and then we were also able to do just a lot of work with our elected officials, making sure they knew what was going on because they don't really tell you that in Dover, like what bills are up, what committees, like, what do these bills actually do? They'll give you a three paragraph, uh, summary of what a bill does. And you're just sort of expected to understand it along with two dozen other bills that are going to be up that day. So a lot of the work we've done, you know, very intimately with the actual elected officials, um, and then also making sure that we have volunteers that can do that work. Um, so that's stuff that goes beyond just the issue campaigns or just beyond the, um, uh, just beyond the electoral stuff. Uh, and then something that we didn't really get to do as much of, but I'm very excited about doing more of is just like the training. So a lot of it was very informal. Like we have a bunch of people who know how to do stuff and we're just like, people get involved. We try to talk to them, see what they're interested in. Uh, and then like fill them in as they go along, but we want to formalize a lot of those processes and just make sure like people know what the Delaware way is, like why it sucks, um, how Delaware politics works, what a bill is, how the legislative process works, uh, how to run a campaign, other stuff like that. There's a lot of information that um, we've been very fortunate to sort of uh, come into contact with and develop ourselves over the last two years. And then the other, you know, six, seven years be past that, um, starting with like Eugene's campaign or even some people got involved in like Brian Townsend's campaign back in 2012. Um, so yeah, we were able to do a lot this year. Um, it was a tough year, especially because I think anybody doing any electoral or advocacy work would have known that like 2022, everybody's burnt out from Trump. Um, we were hearing this nationwide, like no, nobody was having an easy time finding volunteers, getting people engaged, getting voters engaged. Um, but I try to keep in context, like I was I was very disappointed on primary night that we didn't see Becca and Shanae win. Very, very, very disappointed because um, they both ran such good campaigns. But I then looked at some other states where there was also progressives running. And I see like a state like Rhode Island where they got almost swept across the board by conservatives. I think it does put into perspective, well, like the Rhode Island WFP actually had a better record than some of the other progressive groups. But um, I think we saw like, it could have been a lot worse. And I think it's a testament to the organizing that was done that we actually saw gains for progressives and not losses. Cause this was not, not a given, not a given. Yeah. And, and, you know, to, to get the turnout and this, and, you know, the biggest turnout was, uh, was in person, uh, to the retreat. So not to make the, uh, you know, the Oscar Wilde joke, uh, and belabor the point, but to get people to sign up for, you know, several hours of, of a meeting and just getting to know what the organization does, sort of some breakout groups and everything. That's that's quite an accomplishment. I, I'm sure that anybody listening to this who has done 
tried to do anything, um, you know, in this realm knows getting five or ten people together sometimes to commit to an hour of something is not easy. Um, and so to get that commitment sort of after the after the electoral process is over, everybody sort of takes a breather, but everybody still kind of wants to sort of know what's going on. You know, there's some curiosity. They want to go take a step further. They want to know what's going to happen when the General Assembly starts. So, you know, it's quite an accomplishment to to just, um, I guess to, I guess it was what, uh, just to have those vibes, you know, uh, where, where people are, 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 are sort of hungry for it. So... So what's the first thing? What's your first priority, Ty? When this thing, when when the new when the new year starts, and you're like, "What am I doing? Who who are you going to be bothering? Who are we going to be at war with? Where, who do I have to? Who who is my who's my my main target this year?" Um. Oh, you got me on the spot. I really don't have a target. Oh, so yes. you're supposed to be. You're like my secretary of war. I know, like. I, I I honestly don't think I have a target yet. I'm, I, I mean, must... we're we're targeting a whole county together, right? Like yeah. we're down here in Kent County, going like sometimes it feels like the the coalition that has been built in the progressive space is highly concentrated in one county over the other two. And Ty and I are down here in Kent County, saying, "Hey, like we have our ear to the ground and we're out talking to our friends and our neighbors, and we hear." that there is demand for this same kind of movement here, but there isn't the infrastructure that's been built up up North. And so I think we're targeting the whole County. We're targeting, making sure that Kent County has candidates at all in some of these elections. I mean, uh, Kent County had a lot of general election races where there was only a Republican running. There wasn't a Democrat corporate or otherwise. Um, and so I think we've got, a lot of seats to fill with at least having somebody on the ballot and ideally having somebody that is good and people centered and justice oriented. Yeah. I, and I, I thank you, Reggie. See, this is why I need her to think, look, help, help my other side of my brain. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. And I think that like people, I think King County, like, you know, I always go back to just woke Kent County, County up and we're building off of that. But I think that like Kent County has so much potential. And I think that like them seeing the real wins and the, the things that are happening up in Wilmington and then they're starting to see little wins down here. I think they're really starting to see like they can do this too. So um, we have a whole county to take care of. And then we need to move into Sussex. I think, sorry to, sorry to keep giving us more work to do, but I think it's really time to get, to get Sussex thirsty and hungry because um, we can't keep concentrating. If we really want to build this movement and we really want to have more governing power, we're going to have to include the entire state and not just up north. Because those uh, those little pockets of winds, if we could have gotten little pockets of winds down here in Kent and Sussex, that would have been so helpful um, even to kind of like swallow some of our heartfelt losses of Shanae and Becca. Let me ask you this. I mean... Certainly, it's been said that uh, that Russ, our our buddy Big Russ, is is, you know, th there's a there's something to be learned from there. Certainly, it's great that that he won, but is it? Would you say that the focus is more around 
this coming from the issue campaigns you're doing? Or are you just trying to identify folks who can get, is it going to be more sort of electoral and training, do you think, in Kent? Or, or do you, is, it just bo- is it just both and that's the way that it is? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <clears throat> I wonder whether just having, say, a corporate Democrat at this point, say, go up against, you know, sort of a, a right of center or even a reactionary Republican in Kent. Is that is that going to move the ball forward for us, or do we have to go out and do just do more organizing in general, just to get the the spirit up where the the, the ground is ready for, you know, a, a a a real sort of socially democratic, progressive candidate? Like, what comes is is there a one is there a one comes first or it all comes together? I think we can do both at the same time, but I think it's really important that when we're talking about building this movement, like. You know, we have to go back to basics and stick with our foundation, stick with the stuff that works. Like we have to get people their buy-in for our theory of change. Because right now, like when somebody looks at like they say Democrat, they say Republican, and then we're saying working families party. We're representing those people who are often overlooked, those people who are out here putting in the work, you know, and we want to have social change for them. So I think that what we really have to do is we have to work on educating people and we have to educate people on how change happens. Like, I think a lot of times people assume that people know. I think a lot of times people don't have hope because they they haven't seen it done. But sometimes they have seen it done. They just don't recognize what they're seeing. So we kind of almost have to teach them another language. Change is definitely possible. Change has definitely happened. We're moving, we've, we've made so much progress in the last couple of years that if we sat back and we listened to the naysayers, they would have never believed that Delaware WFP would be off the ground running candidates, keeping this, we kept all the seats we already had and we won some more, you know? So I think it's more important right now is education, teaching people that, about organizing, teaching people our theory of change, teaching people that there is hope and that everyday people, people in their mind, and this is what I get from doing trainings, being out there and knocking doors, people in their mind think that elected officials are special. No offense to our elected officials. They don't, we have to get them to understand that your elected officials are people. They should come from the community. They shouldn't be corporate bought. They should be community people. And when we can get more people to buy into that, that is how we make our progressive change. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, everybody knows sort of where I'm coming from from it. But, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a weird sort of deference given to especially like incumbents and people that have, might have, have been doing it or had another office or something. And there's this deference like the way they do it is like the right way because they know they have some special knowledge to do something. And none of that's true. It doesn't work like that at all. And this is one of those sort of like, I think it's sort of Delaware way adjacent. Um, The Delaware way uh, sort of depends upon this idea that the people in the room are the experts and they know what they're doing. And so you don't really need to get involved with it. And, and that reinforces the problem that you're talking about. And it's, and it's very difficult to get people activated because they've been told that they're not like they're not suitable participants. And uh, yeah, it's it, it, and, it, and it's it's not true. 
I want to backtrack a little bit because I think uh, I want to get back to that question of what it takes to kind of create the change we want to see in Kent and Sussex County. And I think all of this conversation ties back into that in that um, I think one of the things that people assume is that there's either not enough Democrats or not enough progressive uh, people, whether they identify as Democrats or independents or, or um, more broadly progressive in Kent and Sussex County. And those of us who live here, and I live right on the fringe of Kent and Sussex, we know that's not true because we know our neighbors. And there are lots and lots of community leaders down here doing very important work and serving their communities and doing incredible things. But much like me prior to the Jess campaign, because Jess was the one who got me involved in this, um, I was skeptical of politics. Uh, you know, as, as a Latin person, as someone with a Black husband, I often felt like our family was not included in any party's political platform in their political leanings. And the leaders down here are people who are like, hey, I can't hope that this random can candidate who's running for office is going to help my people. I have to make sure my people get help today. There are needs that need to be met today. So they're doing nonprofit work. They're doing mutual aid. They're doing community service. And in order for them to believe that politics is part of the solution, it needs to be a kind of politics that is felt by working people, that is impacting their everyday lives. And the sort of establishment, corporate-oriented policy platforms weren't doing that. They weren't inspiring people to get involved. And so we have, particularly because they're very often oriented towards problems that are impacting people in a specific environment that you're existing in, in the higher upper part of the state where a lot of our legislators are from. So people down here are going, well, nobody's talking to me. Nobody's talking to my needs. Um, so I have to solve these problems another way. So I think we can run people down here and we can win, but they have to be people who are, I, I, I'm a broken record when I always say people centered, justice oriented, right? They have to be focused on their community, on their people and on the problems that are impacting them. And that's the kind of candidates we've run that have been successful or that have been close to successful. Um, because people heard that from them. And I'm going to piggyback off of what you said, because I agree with everything that you say. I just love, I just love Reggie. Let me just plug that shameless plug. Anyway, um, I think it's really important that we, I want to emphasize what you said. See, we weren't looking for traditional politics when we got involved. Like people inspired us by their own theory of change and by their own policies that they were, in, they were wanting to run. And we wanted to see it through. I think that if we really want to build this movement, we want to run um, candidates in Kent and Sussex. I say this all the time. Jess's videos, some of the other things that I've seen, some of the stuff, even the stuff that WFP is posting on social media now, that's what gets people's attention. Nobody wants to hear the same old, you know, politician stories about how they're going to, you know, change the world. We want real tangible policies. And so a lot of times I tell people, you know, let's not... Um, you know, when they say, oh, I'm not, I don't want to talk politics. We're like, we're not talking politics. Politics, like, and I say this all the time, you're either at the table or you're on the menu. Too much, the reason why we have the problems that we have is because we spent too much time on the menu. It's time for us to pull up to the table and we can make that table look, and this is the part we need them to understand. We have the power, the people power to make that table look exactly how we want it to look. We just got to get more people who are willing to come to that table. So if you don't like the way the table looks now, 
that you're exactly who we need at that table. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to put it. As Reggie was talking, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, yeah, because I'm I've said this before. And a lot of our other friends and comrades and people we work with are not like big electoral politics people because they don't like the idea of, you know, uh, sitting down at the table with uh, the Chamber of Commerce or sitting down at the table or, or like kind of putting up with all of that shit. But the difference is, I think we agree you shouldn't have to put up with it either. We're sort of. We're in op- we're we're in we're in at we're in an adversarial we've taken an adversarial position with it. Like yes, we have to we have to play in that in sort of in that environment in a political environment, but the position that we're taking on it in order to be more productive for the goals that we have is more of an adversarial position at this point. So yeah, it's it's kind of neat. The way I would explain it to people, it's made people sort of very um, upset, I think, and I don't, I guess it's upset, not because it's, like, that crazy, but they just don't understand it, it's like, they'll explain to me something, some political thing, or some set of interests, and how we have to do something, and I always say, yeah, but we're, we're not, we're not doing it that way, it's not what we're doing, and they're like, well, what do you mean it's not what you're doing, I'm like, well, what did I just say, like, we're, we're not, we're in we 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 stand against that and we're going to point out why we shouldn't you know we shouldn't follow this set of assumptions and this you know we don't need to go to these stakeholders for example um so yeah i i i i have fun sort of explaining it that way but ty i'm you know it's it's hard it's hard when people are sort of like they've never heard somebody tell them a different story you know they've never heard somebody um, you know, articulate a different way. Well, or... and we're creating a narrative of victory for communities that don't often see victory, right? I had not seen wins for people like me. And I moved here and I saw my brand new senators vote against raising the federal minimum wage. And I'm going, I need to get a job in a brand new state. And I am finding all of them are not paying enough to meet my needs. And I have a lot of education. So if I can't find ones that are meeting my needs, what's happening to people who didn't have the opportunity to go to the amount of schooling that I went to. And then I see this candidate, Jess Grain, running against these legislators, these senators, and one of these senators. And she then loses too. And I'm going, oh gosh, I've moved to this state that like, isn't even going to punish senators who are voting against our interests. And so I messaged Jess and I said, next time you run, I want to get involved. And she said, why, why not go talk to this kid, kid Carl (laughs) over here um, and, and get involved with the working families party. And we immediately dove into the campaign for a fair wage. And we were able to with a fairly small contingent of really dedicated volunteers and a really wonderful coalition of labor organizations and everyday people like me who I didn't know anyone in this whole state. I had just moved here and it was, you know, uh, peak pandemic and we're still, we're able to get this win. And it was, 
it taught me something different about the state than what my first impression had been. It was like, oh wait, we can win and we can organize. And that was addicting. And that made me want to stay involved and do more. And I think that as soon as you show people that wins are possible, then people want more and more of them. Yeah. And as I said, I do think, um, you know, both on the electoral side and on the issue side, the concept's been proven. I mean, obviously, I have a lot to critique about, um, you know, the minimum wage legislation, um, but it was but it, it was it was enacted. Um, you know, I don't really think that I, I think that the paid family and medical leave uh, was not as robust as I would like to see it. But it was a but it was enacted. Um, I know that uh, the, the the Green Amendment and all of the environmental stuff that was supposed to go in front of a committee kind of got razzle dazzled out. But there was enough people down there to make a big stink about it. And it's it's on the table now. It's being discussed and it didn't just fizzle out. And so, you know, all of those things should give people, um, you know, maybe. Maybe not hope necessarily, but a proof of concept. Like there is a way forward. It is happening. You know, there's there's things you can get involved with and actually see, you know, either see to the end or at least see that progress has been made and you're, you're moving the ball forward. Because for a long time, I think, Reggie, for, as someone who's been here my whole life, um, what you experienced in the first two years, I experienced for like uh, 42. So, yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, misery loves company. And I guess it got enough people excited to go try to do something about it. Because, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, that was my experience as well for a long time. Yeah. And I think it's also because we I think we started out by being very broad about things. And then Reggie brought up a specific example. And I'd like to sort of like walk through what went into that as well, because minimum wage passed in or was introduced in 2019 and didn't even get out of Senate committee. And yet it was introduced two years later and it passed on straight democratic vote, even though Democrats had majorities in both houses before. And so I think like understanding like the different parts of that. So for example, you could argue, Oh, Democrats picked up two house or two Senate seats in uh, or SD seven and SD five. That was obviously a part of it. You get more Democrats, that's good. But then you also see uh, Marie Pinckney taking out Dave McBride, who was a Senate pro temp, which was, who's one of those people who gets to help assign those bills into certain committees where certain people are going to hold them up. Uh, and she, he got beaten, which means you have new leadership in the Senate. And because people have been working on that for a while, you have progressive leadership in the Senate, so to speak, um, that was able to get a bill like through that very quickly. Uh, and then you also had a lot of these other primary victories in the House, which while where they were not able to change leadership, they were able to basically make people scared enough to like, oh, this is like a thing that people care about. Uh, and so even though there was a lot of entrenched opposition, like the speaker's very close with the restaurant industry uh, and with these other groups and, you know, was initially against the bill, but he ended up voting for it. Same thing with Bill Bush, Bill Carson. They were initially against it. They ended up voting for it. And you know, it's the whole thing is a very complicated set of barriers and hurdles and other stuff like that. And some of them can be get gotten over with strictly elections. Some of them can be gotten over strictly with issue campaigns. Some of them take both. Some of them aren't, you know, you need to do, need to do even a little bit more. Uh, so it's a very, there's a lot of different steps to it, but that's also why we're so focused on that idea of governing power 
And when I when I say vaguely, it's not because it's just some sort of spaced out idea. It's because there's a lot of different components to it, which we've sort of, I think, now covered a lot of the different parts of it because, you know, they have their people everywhere. We got to get our people everywhere too. Well, and sometimes you can lose and still have a huge amount of power building and movement building wins. You learn tactics that don't work. You um, get introduced to new people and you find new stakeholders that you didn't realize were invested in a certain policy issue. And then by the time you're able to come back, you're coming back stronger. And I think to an outside observer who's not engaged with this um, at the grassroots level, it looks like a loss. And it certainly feels like one on the day that the bill gets killed or on the day that your candidate loses. But then after some reflection, you're like, wait, we just got so much out of this effort. And you believe something can can pass in the next session, or you believe a candidate can win in the next session, and you're not demoralized and you haven't lost hope. Yeah, I think that's so important. I was thinking the same thing. You know, a lot of people um, sort of, it is frustrating when when you're dealing with a a complex sort of nuanced system the way Carl was describing so i understand the frustration i share it i sh- i just share it um but um but i do think that when looked at if if the if the momentum is there and the infrastructure is there to continue and the and the concept's been proven that um, wins on the policy side and wins on the electoral side can you can get them then you just you have no choice but to continue uh, and it's it's hard to th- it's sometimes hard to think that way and it's even hard to articulate it to people who are just extremely frustrated and I completely you know I understand that but but yeah I mean I, I even well this is a good segue into like the next thing so this would be like a little a little fun because the first thing I wanted to do is just sort of a a general assembly sort of pregame like where we think it's going you know generally one or two things I think we have the environment there where at least one or two sort of sort of things that we want to get past will get past um, we mentioned two of them that got passed last session uh, the the minimum wage and the paid medical leave um, what do we think is going to be um, some of the big priorities of this session, and also how are we dealing with the sort of the the, the petrified stump of a dead tree uh, that is the House leadership? Like, like you know what I mean? Like, it's it's certainly it, I mean it's taken a beat, it's taken a licking, it's still ticking. Um, but certainly it took, it took a, 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 and and not only did it take a beating, but, you know, I, I think it's, it, it's, it's pretty clear that like, that's not going to, that's going to continue. So how's that going to affect some of these priorities too? You know, um, I, I do think that while the, while the speaker is still in his position in his leadership position, um, again, I think not that, not that I, not that I think he's going to be serving a different set of interests because he's not, he's going to serve the exact same set of interests, but I think he took enough, he, 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 he we landed enough punches that we could, we could, we could back him into a corner on a couple of things and maybe he makes a few mistakes or maybe he has to, he feels like he needs to make a, 
you know, make a deal somewhere to sort of like, you know, he, he's going to have some weak spots that he didn't have before. And so I don't know how you guys think that that can, that can go because, you know, I, there's a lot of things on my priority list and uh, I'm, I'm going to be very disappointed if I don't, if I don't get a good number of them. Well, what is, um, what's the tagline of X-Files? Trust nobody, trust no one, yeah. whichever one it is. Uh, I think that's not, that was our biggest lesson for the last two years was when it comes to establishing politicians is do not trust anybody. Um, like, I think we can generally trust our WFP folks. Um, you know, we try to talk to them, make sure they're doing what they said they were going to do. Um, but, you know, someone like Pete will say one thing and then do another. Same thing with Val Longhurst. Um, same thing with some of the other people there that we'll see if that changes this year. We'll see if it doesn't change this year, but um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there's more votes for good legislation than there were last session. Um, a lot of the barriers that were up, especially around stuff like police reform being the biggest one, uh, those barriers are still there. Uh, right. It's still very, very difficult to get something through a committee that's run by Frank Cook. Um, it's still very, very difficult to get something through an appropriations committee run by Lumpy Carson. Um it's not impossible, and I think people are a little bit more aware that it's going to be a challenge that they face, but I'll leave that more to Reggie and Ty, who I think do more of this, or have done more of this work directly. Well, and I also think that there's an interesting number of people who, I mean, there's always rumors that people are retiring and then they don't retire, but assuming that some of the people who are rumored to be making this their last General Assembly are actually retiring, it sort of depends on their psychology and do I, they want to be petty and just be like, you yelled at me and called me names or, you know, got people to flood my email inbox. And so I'm going to double down on the things I've been doing, or do they see this as an opportunity to go, Hey, I don't have to run for a reelection. I don't have to fundraise from the same funders. Maybe I can do a little bit of the same things that I believe in or that I've been leaning towards that I, I was not sure would, um, would fly in getting me reelected. Uh, so that I'm very curious to see, cause I have very low level of faith in <laughs> any one individual pe person and a lot yeah. of faith in like the collective, you know? Yeah, no, I think that goes back to what, what Carl was saying about like, yeah. And I don't think any of them can really be trusted. Um, you know, you didn't obviously lay out any names, but I have a couple in my mind and, and anybody at all that's sort of connected to the establishment. I, I, I'll I, say some names. Go ahead. Uh, Nandi Jaquocha, uh, Stephanie Bolden, uh, Sean Matthews, uh, Bill Carson, Bill Bush. Uh, these are all people. There's, there's others, but those are some of sort of the worst customers. They're people that in a lot of votes, whether it be police stuff, whether it be housing rights, whether it be legal weed, uh, sometimes a bunch of those things, all of them have at various points uh, taken votes or done stuff behind the scenes that do not represent their constituencies. Uh, some of them we ran primaries against in uh, 2022. Some of them we might do it again. Uh, and a lot of how well they're going to do is going to depend on how well they vote over the next two years. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to put it. I mean, that's kind of what I was saying, like, you know, I'm glad that you said those names. I was actually surprised at how bad some of these people really were. Like Sean Matthews, that guy stinks. 
and he I was progressive. And then I don't know exactly what's happened, but he's just taken some very bad votes lately, which is yeah, disappointing because and- I, I like I that there's more public school teacher representation. Like I think that's a really important thing, uh, in the legislature. But unfortunately, <laughs> it it doesn't mean he votes well on everything. Yeah, which which is odd too because like somebody somebody like uh, Bill Bush or. Like they are, they are what they sort of always have been. Sean Matthews, I'm just like, I was kind of surprised how bad he was, to be honest with you. Um, but you know, I I don't know. Maybe maybe you know, I I don't know because we I can go at somebody and sort of like you know. But but does it backfire like Reggie said? You know now Reggie has me like second guessing all my all my tactics and maneuvers now. Like, yeah, I mean I do think um, a lot of these people are just like little petty, small minded pricks, and so like you can pressure them, but what they'll just they'll go down, you know they'll they'll go down swinging their 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 little their little arms and. You know, it it doesn't help. It's it's just you have to beat them. <laughs> I have a T Rex image in my mind with just like small arms yeah, trying little... trying to punch at you and like a big mouth running. Yeah, get the hell out of here. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Like I don't. There there's, you know, there's a there's a there's a thought that you know, and I'm sure that they 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 certainly if they are running again should be presented with the idea that that does not represent the, uh, you know the 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 belief of their constituents uh, on a whole, but, you know, how much of that matters when, you know, they really don't serve their constituents. They serve a set of stakeholders that, you know, that's not going to change. So that's, that's sort of like those, those little levers that Carl was talking about. It's, it's a little bit complicated when you're talking about, you know, these people that I, I can't even, yeah, a lot of them are very surprising. Some of them, you know, we always knew they were bad, but some of them are very surprising. Well, and even those who are planning to run again, right? I, I think that some of those names are are younger and not approaching retirement age and fairly likely to run again in 2024. There's still that, like, what factors are they weighing? And are they saying, hey, like, I had a close primary and I might need to, you know, move to the left or move closer to my constituents on this issue? Or are they saying, Hey, I had a close primary and I need twice as much funds to flood the market with lying mailers. That's the Namdi. I think that's going to be the Namdi thing. Like I we've talked about this before. I think it's it's different from person to person. Like I I don't I I I know enough about some of them to know that yeah, I mean, they serve a particular set of stakeholders. They they operate in a particular milieu of you know, of little little cabals and little groups and that's pretty much that um but you know are will some people be susceptible to the idea that you know their constituents actually find some of these things popular then you should just do them um you know i think some might so you know it should be it should be very interesting well and i've because i do issue work i've gotten calls from people i never expected to get calls from when i first started doing this work saying, Hey, like, I want your opinion. How do I reach the community better? How do I actually get to the people who are often, you know, left out of the conversation? And so I'm hopeful that there's people interested in doing that. I'm still not confident. Again, I am something of a cynic until I am proven otherwise. 
I'm not confident that they will go all of the way rather than sort of tokenizing certain communities or like checking the box um, that they'll actually do the work of truly representing those communities. But it, we are creating a state where people are at least asking those questions. Yeah, and we have people like Larry Lambert, like like Medina, like Marie. We have people and, and Eric. Like, I mean, I could just list off all of our WP. Like, I think they've all done generally very good jobs. Of like, we now have models as well for like, uh, and I'll even throw Sarah McBride in there because I do like the way that she ran that paid family medical leave bill, um, and like the the organizing behind that with like one of the Liz's uh, and the Delaware Cares Coalition. Like, right. we now have I think Liz, Liz uh, Richards. Hey, Liz. Richards. Yes. Uh, podcast, uh, like, uh, pod alum yeah so like i think we also now have a lot more models uh in the legislature for people who have run the very people-centered uh legislative campaigns you have uh like i mentioned the paid family medical leave which obviously wasn't perfect but you know there are certain institutional issues there um and then you have like the justice 40 committee that larry lambert's been doing you have uh medina's efforts around green amendment you have eric's work around certain bills like the paid sick and safety like you have a lot of models now that i think if people want to do this they now have the beginnings of a roadmap for how to do it and that's something that we definitely want to enforce if people do want to do it and the sick and safety leave brings up a point of you know rob you'd asked earlier what bills we thought had a chance and if we're following the models of there being strong coalitions for labor bills and there being a trend towards these two big, you know, the minimum wage legislation and uh, family and medical leave passing, then it would seem like sick and safety leave is at least primed to be next. And I'm curious what else people are hopeful has a chance to get through in this general assembly. So I just wanna back up real quick. Um, I, I want to just um, throw in something real quick. Sorry, it, I you know I think that like some of the education bills that were ran, I think that a lot of times and like even something as simple as the Crown Act, I think that um, a lot of those bills that only specific communities are affected by them or benefit from them, I think that those wins are some of the ones that we 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 need to like I don't want to say brag on, but we need to emphasize more. Because I think that those are the ones that bring people in. That's where we get our buy-in. You know what I mean? Like something simple like the Crown Act, like the um, what is it? HB was that 198? Where can you, can you explain? Can, can you explain what that 198. is? 198. Um, so the Crown Act that basically that black hair is professional hair. Like like black people could actually wear their hair. People of color can wear their hair in their natural states or in styles that are ethnic and it not be considered unprofessional. Like that is like so many people of color. I mean, even from when I was in the military, like your, your hair is your crown. You know, we know our hair defies gravity. We know that, you know, our hair is unique, but our hair has always been seen as unprofessional unless it's in a, it matches a, uh, an omnibus package, like, um, unless, you, unless it matches, you know, um, it matches corporate, you know, America's standards of, you know, closest to, you know, uh, white, um, that's what, what is considered professional. And I think that when we're talking about building a movement and building power and building people power, like we have to get people to identify with those, those kind of bills first, 
And then they can kind of like get them to buy in for stuff like, you know, the labor bills. Get them to buy in. Like, this is how we get them involved in. Like, look what we did for you. Look what we, like, we as the people collectively done. And I want to say that one person who I think gets overlooked sometimes is Ray Moore. When I was at the Peach Festival, and I'm just want to do this little shameless plug real quick. I admired how when she came up there and she, when people were coming up there and like the community was really engaged with Ray. Ray set a standard that I felt like I wish I would have had a TV camera and I was able to record. She's like, she's like, oh, I'm a teacher. I'm here. I'm there. Come to this town hall. And people like, they felt comfortable talking to her. They were talking to her about different things. They were really passionate about what they were talking about. And I feel like that this is what we need. We This is how we get, when we're building a movement, this is how we get buy-in. We have our legislators who are educators, who have been in education, for who have been in different places. They're doing, they're passing this, they're passing that, they're passing this. But are do the, do the community feel comfortable coming to them and telling them what they need and feel confident that those things that they tell them will turn into legislation? Because that's how what our theory of change is. It's not just that we don't want to just be there with the people who are closely impacted. We want to bring them to the table and we want good legislation to come from these conversations. Yeah, I, I wonder the other the other pressure point, And we talk about it a little bit. Uh, maybe I'm going to be more blatant about it and see what you guys think. But I know that as a group, um, WFP is going to start like holding WFP candidates sort of accountable for their positions and their votes. Um, do you think that WFP legislators will will have any, you know, there's there's overlap. So for example, you know, some of the some of the reps, you know, that their their votes haven't been so great lately, um overlap with senators who are pretty good. Or they have a, a a a colleague, a rep, right in the in the district next door, right up against them, that are actually pretty good. And so, sort of going back to what I spoke to Medina about, like that person who is basically your neighbor um, and is working with you is is gumming up the work, is clogging up the drain. And they could be a nice person, and you could sit next to them, uh, you know, uh, in the in the chamber, or you know, they they bought you lunch one time to the caucus or whatever. But you know, if if they're a if they're if they're a hairball on the drain, you know, are are they going to start being held accountable by their colleagues, or 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 is that just too much to ask these people to not to not be like to not kiss each other's ass? Well, that's when we start talking about the. Um... Uh, intrigue. Oh yeah, yeah, palace, stuff. palace intrigue, palace intrigue. That's the word I'm looking for. Because yeah. Um, yeah, and that's uh, that's one of the things that we talk about in terms of the nuances of it. Because I think there was probably a lot of people that were upset that we didn't see more WP legislators endorsing WP challengers. Um, it wasn't completely got like Medina endorsed a couple people. Eric, I think endorsed a couple people. But, um, you know, before we get to the point where it's because we have this uh, uh, interesting conundrum where we want to, you know, get a lot of stuff done and pass a lot of bills. So we want to help our communities, but we also want to, you know, challenge the status quo and change the way things are done. Um, 
And some of the way that's done is purely we have to have numbers. So like if we want to win a leadership election, you got to have one more vote than the other person. Um, and so I think a lot of reasons why there hasn't been as much openness about that. Whereas like if you see like an AOC nationally, you're able to get more of that because there's 435 people in this uh, U.S. House. There is no chance that you're getting any progressive majority anytime soon. Um you can get a much better majority than you have right now and you can get a lot more progressives, but like we're not getting uh 218 AOCs anytime in the near future. However, with um in Delaware, we're actually at a point where it's like, okay, we could see in the near future we could have a working families majority. Um, whether that be all endorsed by Delhi Working Families Party, endorsed by and working with Working Families Party. Um, but there's plenty of people who I'd say are like working families style candidates that we haven't even worked with. Like uh, we didn't endorse Kira Russ, but they're obviously both, you know, a lot better on the issues than their predecessors. Right. Um, and yeah, you know, same thing with like Carrie Evelyn Harris. Uh, so like there's, that's a real thing. And so I think you have different people taking different paths. So I think there will be people that endorse challengers and like work against their colleagues. But uh, I think there's also going to be a lot of people that don't. Uh, yeah. and everybody's got their different roles and it's going to be, well, the, I think people underestimate how bad the institutional, which part of the thing that we try to do is build enough support that people don't have to worry about the institutional pressure. But when that part at the end of the day, each of your bills are going to come up to a vote of people that we have no control over, like people have to make that calculus on their own, which we don't force anybody to be like, oh, well, you have to endorse other WP people to be a WP person because I don't think that's a realistic thing to ask of anybody. Obviously, it's something that we would love for everybody to do. Yeah, I agree, and and I think I I'm my my idea would be like, yeah, I don't really care about the electoral endorsement necessarily. I'm talking about more legislative pressure. Like, talk. Let's one of those things. Like, let's not talk about it then. Let's talk about it now. Like, we're trying to do X thing, and you know. Come, you know, come electoral time, whether I endorse or I don't endorse or I help your campaign or I don't help your campaign, like all that's going to come down to whether you're helping me now. Like why? Like you're you're roadblocking me today. So if you want to continue to do that, I really don't think you'd be in a position a year and a half from now to cry about it when we've tra when we've recruited trained and supported your challenger like we don't even have to talk about it then like i don't have to make that i don't have to make that sort of do that calculus about whether publicly endorsing another candidate would do something but like let's it's sort of like okay we're trying to do something and push something through a committee and get something to the floor um let's talk about it now because i don't want i don't i don't really think i want to hear a lot of your crying or your 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 empty threats or your bullshit come a year from now because you're impeding our 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 agenda you know, it's like try to try to sort of like put the one thing in front of the other because I feel like nobody, nobody, nobody makes that sort of makes that case during it. And then it gets to the electoral thing. And as you said, Kirsten, like people feel a certain kind of way about either making the endorsement or if the endorsement's made against them or why did this person do this? It should be very clear. Like there should be no question why someone did something when they do it during an election. Because a year and a half ago, when we tried to do X, you were you were nothing but trouble about it. 
and you did not help. You were a you were a, you were a, a hindrance and a roadblock every step of the way, and so now it shouldn't even be a surprise that you got to go. And I really think that we should like I'm you know me team jerky bill. I really think that that, and I'm not an elected official, so it's easy for me to say on the outside. But I really do like I think that that should be like really like what we're looking at. Like I don't it, the, the the election, you know, endorsements are great, but when it comes legislative time, like this is what we're keeping our scorecards for, because the next election cycle, this is what determines, are you a good person or not to run a candidate against? You understand what I'm saying? Like if you're voting the way we want you to, even if you're not necessarily progressive, you know, you're it, it, at least you're you're moving the agenda. But if you're hindering the agenda, you should know that we're coming for you. That like right. that's what we want. We we want you to know you are we are coming for you. So when you go to cast that vote, just just know that there's consequences to your votes. Right. I think that's yep. exactly what I'm saying. Like you can you, you can pay no mind to the WFP and serve the inter- the, the narrow set of interests that you want to serve for whatever reason that is, whether because they support your campaign or they handpicked you at the beginning or you used to be a cop or whatever or you you know whatever the case may be. But just know you're doing that now at your own political peril. We are going to come after you. And, and not because we run the state and we're the kings and queens of everything, but because our theory of change is, hey, when there is a good piece of policy for your district, we're going to bring you people from your district and they're going to tell you that they want this. And if they are not heard, then we're going to have to find another way to help them be heard. Because exactly. we're, that's what we're telling people. We're telling people, hey, you have a chance to make a difference and advocate for yourself. And if that one stubborn person is going, I don't care how many people you bring me in. We have had a legislator, Stephanie Bolden, say that to advocates. I don't care how many people you bring me. It's not going to change my mind. So well, then, then we're going to keep bringing people against you. And that's a problem because you work for the people. You're, you, you know, so if your district is supporting something and you are just as a lone ranger standing against it, well, we're going to find somebody else in your district who, who wants to represent the people and not their own self-interest. Yeah. And I think uh, a reason that maybe didn't happen as much as here is because we were a new organization. We struggled in recruitment. I, I can say that with being honest. Uh, like there are some people that I mentioned earlier that we would have loved to have a primary challenge again and maybe even actually did have a candidate at one point and then ended up not uh working out uh that like i think if we'd had a candidate that run like halfway decent campaign they would have won but we didn't have a candidate so it doesn't matter so uh i think both like getting the information out there more about these votes which is one of our big priorities for 2023 is just like making sure more people know about these votes and they're happening which delaware united um when they so we've, we've merged with delaware united now but like that was something that they were very good at and i think we can expand on that work even uh and also we are in such a better spot right now in terms of recruitment, both in terms of who we've already recruited, wink, wink, and also like who I think we are likely to recruit for that I think given that redistricting is not an issue anymore, given that we have way more connections than we had before, given that we have worked in a lot of districts that we hadn't worked in in 2021, I think people need to be expecting that a lot of these candidates are going to start popping up um, and in a way that they didn't in 2022. And take take an example. Uh, Namdi Chukwocha, a man who I 
admire in a lot of ways and deeply admired when I first voted for him in 2018. I was so excited to vote for him in 2018 when he ran because uh, he's a guy who's done a lot of, you know, he's the twin poet. He's done a lot of community work. He's His family has a big legacy here in Wilmington. Uh, and this is a guy who's so beloved. He makes two bad votes. He introduces that eminent domain bill. He votes against uh, tenants' right to representation. And then in less than two months, this uh, crazy councilwoman that made all those Facebook posts that you hate um, almost beats him, comes 90 almost. votes short, like yes. at 1%. So like, we, I think that's a warning. We love Shanae, though. <laughs> yeah, I love Shanae. Like, yeah. uh, no I'm, just, I'm just talking about like those people in my fucking neighborhood yes, that yes. were like, oh, she's racist against white people, um, yeah. which they that. never had any Me proof too. for that. Kirsten and I are also racist against white people. Yeah. Let, let but, uh, sorry, but sorry. like, sorry for, sorry for that, giving us up there. Take that as a warning for other future candidates. That, like, once we find a candidate, if you do a vote that bad, it will come back to haunt you. Exactly. And yeah. there, there are people we had no one for that I've had five different people come talk to me and be like, hey, I might be interested. So this is a different yeah. year this time. Yeah. So I, I'm glad. And again, I just. You know, there should be, and, and I don't think it's because, like, and, and I, I'm sure this is how it's sort of painted, like, you know, now we think we're the top shit and all, we run the state and all. I don't think any of that. All I'm saying is that we have the organization now to make, a le to make these legitimate political threats. That's it. Take it for however you want to take it. Like, if, if you think, you know, to, you know, cry about it however you want to cry about it. You know, frame it however you want to frame it. But what Carl said is absolutely accurate. Uh, you know, Reggie just said, we have we have people knocking down the doors to run against some of you nitwits. And I think, like, there, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why people would want to work with us, you know? Um, I mean, we're fighting for, in my mind, what are really important things, you know, a good quality of life, a good standard of living for every single person in the state. But also, like, we genuinely care about each other. We try to uh -huh. provide, um, sorry if you can hear dogs snoring in the background, by the way. But, um, yeah, we genuinely, like, we care about each other. We provide, like, a supportive space. We, you know, uh, we have volunteers who, like, I mean, I was out there for Shanae in all kinds of weather. And, like, I, I remember one time, like, I didn't, I really, Really, I wanted to skip this one shift because I was like, I'm doing like three other shifts just for Sinead this week for canvassing and in my quote off year from electoral volunteering. You <laughs> didn't do well with that. <laughs> I did not do well with that. Yeah. <laughs> but I got a text from another WFP superstar, Ray Krantz, being like, hey, by the way, how are you feeling? Are you going to come out? Like, we'd love to see you. Let's hang out. And like, it was really, it was like, she was like checking on me and also holding me accountable to doing my canvassing shifts. And I, of course I went and I had a great time, but like, I don't know. I, I think that there's something special that we're capturing here with the way that we like, we support each other. We hold each other accountable. We're focused on bringing in more people to do the work. Um, and I don't know that, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think a lot of our opponents necessarily have that. And I think it's a huge credit to us and it's a strength of ours. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like we are in the place to be, you know, like this is what mm -hmm. folks should want to be around. And this is the kind of environment folks should want to be organizing in. So 
Um, in addition to, yeah, it's like, I don't see us. I don't want to be like bragging and kind of beating our chests and talking about how we're the shit and like, they should be scared of us. And we run the state and it's not it. But like, I do think that like both our vision for the future and the kind of community we've built are much, much, much more enjoyable and compelling than what the alternative is. And I want to, and I think that one of the, the areas that we have a strength that we don't talk about as much is our elected support. Our elected support, I think that especially for people who are new coming in or, you know, who get, who are regular, you know, community members who are running for office, our, what we provide as far as elected support, um, I think that, I mean, it, it lacks down in Dover. And I think that we, we, we fill a void and that helps them to be able to pass strong legislation. It helps them to be able to focus on, you know, building camaraderie and different things like that. So I really enjoy the elected support. I really enjoy um, that, that whole team. And I think that that's an important component that maybe a lot of people don't know about, which is fine. Everybody can't know all of our secrets, but this is how we build that, 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 that network. And that's how we're, that's how they were. Cause our electeds pushed out a lot of good legislation this year. It didn't all go where we wanted it to go, but they pushed out a lot. And I would like to say a lot of that comes from having the support that they have, having the one-on-ones, having, you know, that teamwork where they're not a monolith. They still have their own opinions. They still do what they want to do. You know, but I think it's just having that support system built into us, in, into our party is really important. And Reggie, tell them how Delaware is the only one who does this. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, Carl and I have been, um, we were just recently at a regional WFP retreat. Um, and then before that, I went to two different national um, organizational conferences and there were so many groups going like, how are you guys doing so much? Like you guys are the model. And I always kind of like, oh, well, we're a small state. It's easy to like have a broad reach, but like there are some very good systems and structures that have been built up. And, you know, I credit Carl for being an organization guru. I credit Kirsten. I credit Drew uh, series for training a lot of us. (laughs) Um, And you know, teaching us advocacy skills and, and, um, organization building skills. And, uh, that's a huge part of it, but it's also that what, what Kirsten was saying. And it's like, like, I remember when I was brand new, uh, Carl would be like, Oh, like share this link with all your friends. And I was like, I have no friends. I don't know anybody. (laughs) Like I was brand new to the state and, you know, it was, crazy how quickly my list of contacts in Delaware got built up full, filled with people who I just adore and love being around. And despite the fact that this isn't home and I didn't go to high school here, uh, I now find myself really struggling to want to leave because I have so many people I care about in the state and I, I just want to hang out. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so important. I mean, um, Kirsten kind of brought it up and, and sort of was able to articulate it. Like, we have an agenda that's not, you know, and we talked about it before about the sort of understanding the different types of politics that we're doing. Our agenda is to bring a lot of people in and try to give them some way, some direction to put their energy and see a change, you know, and see like, yeah, we're not just trying to, you know, we're not just trying to make sure that, uh, 
you know, that the money keeps rolling in that we can divvy up to, to businesses to hire, you know, 80 coders uh, or, you know, or that we can push further into Southbridge so BPG can make more money. Uh, or we can just make sure that the cops can crack down on people and, and that renters have a bad time and that just like business flows and, and everything. We are our 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 agenda is just better. Um, and people are, are it's 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 you know, it's it's just it's it's more it's people oriented. And so that that's a that's a huge, huge uh, help. So comrades and friends, uh, normally I would say. Go to patreon.com slash the Highlands Bunker. Um, kick in some dough for us. And I'm going to say that um, as, a, as a nice Christmas gift to yours truly. Five or $10 a month would be, would be great. Uh, we, have, uh, we will have a sort of a New Year's uh, special for everybody. We're going to do another on cinema. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a, a film from the early 60s from a... Uh, a Spanish filmmaker. He was a left-wing filmmaker, so it's a satirical film. So I think we'll we'll have some fun with that. And then we have a big uh, legislative kickoff uh, for our first episode in January. Um, you guys will all love it. It'll be it'll be star-studded. We'll just we'll put it that way. So that will be fun. But really, the, the idea today was um, to jump in with uh, with Working Families Party. Um, you know, so many people are doing great work. The best thing you can do to support them is, number one, volunteer and sign up for $10 a month there. Go become a member. Uh, you get invited to a bunch of cool shit. You get to hang out with cool people. Uh, and and you get to feel like um, you're actually participating in something that is participatory and does give you uh, sort of a voice in, 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 in trying to, in, in a very complicated sort of system, um, you know, try try to make your your voice heard. So, you know, consider doing that. We'll put all the links in there. And uh, I'm just happy all you guys all you guys were able to join. So, uh, Kirsten Walther, Reggie Guar, Ty Greer, Super Producer Carl. Um, thanks, everybody. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. We love it here. <laughs> and you know where here is? It's it's on the left because it's best.